Hello and welcome to the No Hold Bard Witchcraft Podcast. Mr. Chris, you're here. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on spot and ask you a question, right? Mm. When's the last time you signed a contract? I'm assuming you mean magical ones. No, mundane or magical. Uh, mundane one was probably both. mundane one was probably my contract with my current employer. Oh, so January. January, you signed a contract with an employer and such. Did you read the contract? Yes, in fine okay. detail. Did you understand the contract? Yes, I had to correct them on it. Ah, that was going to be my next question. Did you alter <laughs> the contract in any way before signing it? Yes. Got payment wrong. How many people do you think would quibble with you if you told them or recommended them to change the contract you sign with an employer before signing it and getting the job? Mm. Um, That's quite a few, because I've given that one. If I want a job, I'm not going to be able to say to them that I want to change the contract, because that's not what it is. I can't do that. I want the job. Mm. What I normally say is make sure your first contract is right, because yeah. once you've signed that one, it's nigh impossible to try and change something afterwards. So I always make sure you start from the first one. I think it shows a lot these days that people don't negotiate their contracts anymore. No. Lower levels, maybe some high level people in high level jobs, but a lot of people don't. They don't negotiate when it comes to an employment contract because they seem to be feeling as though they're lucky to get a job in the first place. Yeah, that's a big problem. Mm, big problem with society today. Now, what about magical contracts then? Can you think of any recent magical contracts you have signed? Um, not Probably not in the last 10 years. Not in the last 10 years? Are you shitting me? No, no I don't think I've signed any new contracts. I've adjusted the previous ones. But I don't think I've actually signed new contracts. What about, because this is interesting, the magical contract between a mentor and mentee? Because there's some sort of magical contract and agreement there. But is that not technically automatic in that as soon as they accept, press certain buttons and then transfer money, you don't know who's on the other side of that agreement, do you? You've done a generic contract for yourself, as I have, but not with an individual. It's really for a service, isn't it? Yeah, so for me, I don't include that because to me, those are all automatic as soon as you meet people. I think that's maybe that's just me as a teacher, but... Mm. I have that automatic responsibility. I think less of that as a 
contract so much and more as a responsibility that's okay. automated from my perspective. So basically, I signed the contract that says I was willing to be a teacher in this life. Mm. Anything else that happens beyond that is part of the responsibility I signed up for originally. Does that make sense? Right. So would you be willing to share an example of a magical contract that you have signed or are planning on signing in the future, just to give us an example to work through? Um ones in this lifetime it doesn't have to be i guess i think it's probably more relevant because 21st century and 20th century people that are listening to this um will probably relate more to things happening currently rather than thousands upon thousands of years ago perhaps but i mean I it's not changed, does it really <laughs> no kind of contract law in this universe is fairly samey um regardless of the level of contract really yeah it's all about who's the strongest and most powerful and can enforce it isn't it <laughs> pretty much pretty much um okay i can give one decent ish contract mm that I don't feel like I'm overly exposing myself um, is kind of, I know we talk about protection magic all the time and I don't mean we do, but I mean, as in people ask those questions all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I have standing arrangements, not my, what I would consider my third party insurance, I guess. Um, is the kind of additional people that my um what's the word i want i went to say cartel then but that sounds really Chris, we, can't, we can't say things like cartel and we can't say words like <laughs> cult right we're in a precarious <laughs> situation as it is with regards to our reputation <laughs> and such and the outlandish so things wanting... people say behind our back so we can't be starting okay. to throw around random words like that okay i'll use the word entourage then entourage is the... way better that makes you sound like an influencer or a celebrity you know not a king so okay there is there is an extended kind of third party insurance for those that i would consider part of my entourage with certain beings so there is an an extension. The problem that it the pro biggest problem that occurs with this is their tendency to offer out additional um, extended covers, shall we say, with them individually, um, which is always the problem for me. Is the kind of secondary deals that tend yeah. to be offered out without my consultation so i normally mm. make people very aware of my existing kind of allegiances should we say so that when they are approached by said representatives of said parties um that they don't go making silly deals without talking to me about them first 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I would say that's the biggest one for me is kind of my, for lack of a better defini- definition, third party insurance um, for additional bodies. So you could spin this one of two ways, I believe. You could say, well, you're getting more than you bargained for. What great value for money. <laughs> or uh, some could also look at it in terms of spam. Also, because this is not too dissimilar from, I want to go on a price comparison website because I want to see what my renewal premiums for my car insurance is going to be. Oh, look compare the mrchris.com comes out with this one being cheapest i'm going to sign a contract i'm going to purchase through mrchris.com go compare witchery right (laughs) and i sign up to that and i pay the price and i'm happy with the price and i receive the goods which one never truly knows until they need to claim on their insurance whether the goods you're actually paying for you receive ideally it's one of those industries that you never truly know because you never want to claim on your insurance, do you? But there we go. But no. what well, you never want to test it, do you? Yeah, you don't want to test you, it. You kind of hope that that day doesn't come where you have to check if you're, you know, checked against acts of God, you know? Yeah. But but what happens now? Oh, look, months gone by. I've sent off my documents and my driving license and you know, no claims bonus certificates and such. And a month's gone by. And what do I receive through the post? I receive a lovely Parker pen. Because apparently, unknowns to me, taking out that premium means that everyone that, that takes out an insurance premium through Mr. Chris gets a free Parker pen, right? That's all right. Why not? I'm happy with that. I'll take the Parker pen. Didn't realise I was getting it, mind you. And the person on the desk that actually did all of this for me didn't tell me about it, which kind of implies also that that person probably didn't fucking know that they were currently running a pen promotion at the time. But fuck it, I'll take the pen because, you know. Then another thing happens, and then I get an email saying, well, actually... You should buy your home insurance through us also, because we're going to give you a discount. You're on the books, right? I know that you spoke to Mr. Chris. Well, Mr. Chris, you didn't actually speak to, because that wasn't Mr. Chris, that was Sally. She gets paid by the hour in order to make phone calls and sell shit, right? Mr. Chris is purely a brand. He doesn't even reel like the Colonel or Miss Millis. Fake, right? But guess what? <laughs> On behalf of Mr. Chris, I can sell you at a cheaper rate housing insurance. And guess what? Because you're already in the system, hence why I got your details, because you're already in our system. All you've got to do is agree to this. We don't need to sign a contract. I can add that to your already existing car insurance policy. I'll stick a house on it, right? Great. The house don't even need to have wheels. You don't even need to be trailer park trash or nothing. It could be a brick and mortar house. Or or made of wood if you're Australian. Right? So, right. Yes, do you agree? Let us know in a month's time, between now and then, whether you disagree and we'll remove it from your policy. How's that? 
problem is this email came in Chinese and the people don't read Chinese so they didn't fucking understand what it was all about so now they have housing insurance and they have car insurance and they have housing insurance through another provider as well that other provider got a little bit upset very upset as these um goddesses and gods and such that the love and lighters tend to uh agree to worship do get a little bit upset because that insurance provider didn't like that you're going with another insurance provider now and they're very very angry about it they're gonna spam you yes so any stories you can tell us with regards to um people that got more than they bargained for whether it would be a good bargain or more than they bargained for in the form of i don't know the plot to a rather interesting horror film it is october after the wolf <laughs> that's what i get the impression people get <laughs> um i don't know less of that tends to happen for me well, um, no, you're not going to be signing up to your own insurance premium. We're talking about the people that meet and greet you get taps on the shoulder, right? I can share a story because of all of this Me Too stuff, right? You meet Harvey Weinstein, okay? You get your picture taken with him on the red carpet. That's fine. He goes. He doesn't molest you or nothing. He just buggers off. But then all of a sudden, one of his entourage comes along, Okay. Who is it? I don't know. He looks like a bodyguard of some description. He's wearing a suit, but he looks extremely fucking fat, right? He looks like the sort of person you would not want to meet. He comes up to you and he says, Harvey wants you to meet him in his room in a minute. Don't worry. It'll be worth it. What do you do, Mr. Chris? What does one do in that situation? Because that isn't Mr. Harvey offering. That's someone else offering on behalf of Mr. Harvey. But, Mr. Chris, there'll be people that are thinking, fuck it, I'll take the money. I'll do a quick uh, whatever Mr. Harvey wants in exchange for a considerable amount of money, signing a non-disclosure agreement, but then going to the press anyway, right? But what if, Mr. Chris, what if that big guy called Ben, who's not actually a bank, sir, not anything, anything to do with Mr. Harvey, what if he's just some serial killer and he's trying to get people to meet them in the bedroom of his hotel so that he can go and kill them off? Because he's got a bit of a fetish for killing off sluts and whores that will sleep with people for money, Chris. What then? How does one know, Mr. Chris? Got any stories like that? <laughs> <laughs> imposters is what we're talking about. Imposters, by the way. Imposters. <laughs> um not specifically for me no i've had other people have those kind of problems and help fix mm. those kind of problems but no not so much for myself and my entourage so we say um i've had the opposite happen so i've had people um receive trouble based on the fact that it don't like me therefore it uh, don't like them 
those those are more your friends with him type deal yeah those sorts of Uh, those sorts of problematic situations i get a lot of that i get a lot of that um and magical (laughs) (laughs) what for knowing me is that what it is not necessarily me i was in terms of people get told that if they're friends with me then they're not going to be friends with the person as happened on a couple of occasions i don't know why people hate me so much oh it's your sunny disposition i imagine maybe it is maybe it is a disposition so but yeah that those those tend those tend to happen more frequently with me but that's because lots of people when they start out um in this kind of um world shall we say um they get drawn to going to do- down the kind of angel route mm-hmm. or go down the various kind of ghosty routes um and bear in mind i have no time for either um that often can cause like a knock-on effect Mm -hmm. of you know wanting to get involved um and not really knowing how to deal with that Mm -hmm. um but that that happens more often um hence you know tying up michael that sort of thing Um, but that's just because people um encourage that connection because Mm. to them it's quite impressive the word divine gets thrown around a lot so you know when you're working with that kind of and not realizing which i suppose is close to what you're describing where someone comes to meet you on the basis that they think you're available for making that kind of connection Mm. um isn't the thing they thought they were signing up for um i met a lot of people that signed up with kind of spirits um you know lower level spirits claiming to be other things Mm. claiming to be further up the echelon than there actually are um i will say i don't know if your your experience is different i get more i've had more instances of something lower level claiming it was further up oh yeah yeah they they um, all do they all do it's like all of these scammers on the internet that try and tell you a business course and then have their picture on the home page or in the funnel or whatever with alan sugar or someone like that it's like look i'm connected i got my picture taken with alan sugar or donald trump or whoever the fuck it is but really they just met them at one of these like business means they paid like 500 quid to go to a seminar and get their picture taken with them and then it ends up on a fucking website but yes there's the magical equivalent of that with people often falling a lot of the time to work with a spirit that they think they're working with but they're not actually working with that spirit they're working with an imposter and i mean that this doesn't get talked about that much possibly because most people in the magical community that claim to work with spirits don't really tend to work with them they're religious based so they just worship don't they but no i I i've seen that but what i have a lot less of is one thing pretending to be something completely different so like so what i mean is like you'll hear a lot of kind of lower level spirits uh, lower level angels pretending to be higher up or mm. 
dead individuals pretending to be more powerful dead things. But mm. it's not like you ever... I've never come across, say, a djinn preparing to, um, pretending to be an angel. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's normally the power level that someone's yeah. being flexible or creative with rather than actually their identity. I don't know if that's because it's harder for them to mimic, I guess, a whole um, body infrastructure rather than a power level. Okay, so there's there's two things I'd like to say. First is I don't think that's true when it comes to magical practitioners, because magical practitioners, for defensive reasons, will pretend to be this, that, and everything. But when you're talking about a spirit specifically, I think it's a case of... Um, you are an energy and the only way for progression is to climb the ladder that you're already on so their view of going upwards they know they're trying to get upwards they only see one ladder and that's the ladder that they're on they don't necessarily intermix a lot of the time with yeah. other you could say species which, so if it's low sense. level is not going to see other ladders or fully understand what's going on, mm. I would say. Yeah. Look, you know, because lots of people ask those questions, though, don't they? Where they mm. go, oh, well, what's it likely to be? Well, actually, the likelihood is it's going to be somewhere in that same ladder. Mm. Um, you know, a lower level mercurial spirit is going to its very best try and emulate a higher up the level mercurial spirit. You're not going to have a mercurial spirit pretending to be a solar deity. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, I would have expected more of that to happen, but I've never really come across it. But it, it, it probably is as simple as you say. It's think harder about it. to think outside your own box. Think about how stupid this would look, though, right? You've got a, uh, a primary school child in the first year of school year one not reception year one and they're pretending to be a year three or year four so a couple of grades up compare that to them pretending to be a doctor and going into hospital mm -hmm. so you've got like a five-year-old pretending to be six or seven in the same school yeah versus them putting on a doctor's coat and going to hospital and pretending to be a doctor. And pretty much every fucking thing is going to think, well, that's bullshit, you're not a doctor, you're some dumb little kid, right? Yeah. Um, but if you were, if you were a, in the same year group or you went to a different school or maybe even a teacher or something like that, could the teacher see the difference between a year three and a year four, a year one and a year two? It's difficult, isn't it? children they grow up so fast and such so your own teacher would know an expert in the field that knows you knows the energy knows all that thing is gonna is gonna notice but some old lady is gonna look and think well that's a kid it says it's in year three i don't fucking know we didn't have year three back when i was at school we just had infants and juniors and it was mixed ability during the war <laughs> <laughs> So I suppose yeah, it's it makes sense. It does make sense. I just, you know, what in those ways that until you try to explain something, something suddenly becomes blindingly obvious. Here's um, a question. 
At what point do you lack sympathy for people that are fooled by this? Um, I think I lack sympathy accordingly, depending on how somebody presents themselves. So I now we're now skipping over to practitioners again now, mm-hmm. but I can accept a mundane not knowing the difference between dead grandma and Archangel Michael. Like I can kind of accept them not knowing the difference. Well, both they look vaguely glowy. And they both sound like they were smoking 60 a day. Like, you know, I just thought as he's got a flaming sword, um, maybe he gets smoke inhalation the same way Nan did. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, a, you kind of think, I can let that slide. You're a mundane. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait a minute. You can let slide a mundane get confused between Grandma and the Archangel Michael in terms of manifesting. Okay. Justify yeah. your answer, because I'm not going to say I disagree, but I'd like some justification because some people will think that's terrible. But most of the people that think that's terrible probably have never seen TV shows Most Haunted. <laughs> some of that. So, I can understand that based based on the... I can, yeah, I can let that slide on the basis of you, you will assume a mundane's psychic ability in terms of knowing what they look like and being able to receive that image or that sound. So to them, grandma smoked 60 a day. She's a bit gruff, sounded a bit like the, you know, Archangel Michael trying to puff out his chest. Like Mm. to them, the difference is not going to be all that difference, you know? Whereas like whereas like if you've got a a psychic that's so called um self professed medium who's been um taking messages for the last thirty years, you would kinda hope that that person had the psychic awareness to know the difference between when a dead person is talking um and where another kind of spirit is talking so i would expect if you're putting that on your billboard you should be able to back that up with credential you know credentials credentials that's the word credentials credentials i've had a long which you can buy insurance through us at nominal you know you know so i would let that i would let the the young kid who knows nothing about nothing um, would possibly be fooled into thinking one was the other. Um, also, Michael's a bit of a prick. So we might have even put on the little grandma voice because he's a prick. So like, like a wolf in sheep's clothes or like the wolf from yeah. Red Riding Hood where it dresses up as grandma. Yeah, exactly. I've got hairy chins. <laughs> Right, okay, so, so have you got anything you'd like to add to that? <laughs> that? Well, yeah, so all I was trying to say was the difference between those is how one presents themselves 
and where on that where I would then expect you to be performing and that's the difference um if this happens to be you know a young person who actually has more gift than they realize then I would be expecting them to come out with something but I'm not going to hold it against them because they're not <coughs> they're not selling a service mm. which is very different Right, that's it for this edition of the No Holes Bar Witchcraft Podcast. We'll go into extra time on the Patreon. We're going to talk about the formulation and creation of an actual magical contract, what it should consist of and such. I'd also like to ask Mr. Chris a very important question on the Patreon, which is why is he so obsessed with emasculating the Archangel Michael, whether there's any beef or something? I don't know. One hates the other. Or they both hate each other. Who really knows? I'm not entirely sure. But I can't wait to delve into that one. I'm also going to talk about paranormal investigation and why one can't say slow kids anymore, can we? <laughs> <laughs> what are you allowed to say now instead of slow kids, Chris? The magically yeah. challenged. The magically challenged. Let's call it that. Why the magically challenged? Why I have sympathy for the magically challenged because I am full of sympathy after all for the lesser people in the world. Um, but that's it. It's well worth joining the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon because you know this is no holds barred, but that's that's on a whole new level. Uh, but yeah, there we go. So, we're on the Patreon. I would continue talking about what I was talking about, which was the the idea of where one lacks sympathy. Now, if you've got a paranormal investigator, they watch these paranormal investigation shows and they go on these paranormal investigation courses where they get little boxes that make noises and light up and shit, right? They don't really know anything about how the universe is structured. They don't really know anything about magic. All they know to do really is that shout out questions and listen for some sort of reply, which if the reply and the question is directed to, let's say, Archangel Michael, are you there? And all of a sudden, I don't know, a, a light bulb flickers on and off, they would assume Archangel Michael is there right if they say grandmother or is there anyone there or spirit of this house you know can some creepy ass monk robed monk that goes up and down the stairs in the middle of the night are you there and the light bulb flickers on and off they are not able to see what's causing the light bulb to flicker on and off they're just assuming right they're assuming so they don't know whether it is just dodgy electrics which it probably is they don't know whether actually it is some nefarious troublesome spirit like a mercurial type that is just flicking the light bulb on and off even though they're talking to michael he thought or she thought or it thought ah oh, fuck it i'll just fuck with these fuckers because that's what i do because i'm mercurial like and i'm in the mood to fuck with people you know they don't know i can i can sympathize with that i can't sympathize with people staying in that position for very long mind you but I do sympathise with it that they, you know, they're on a path to learning more, 
I cannot sympathize with them if they've been doing that same fucking thing for five to 10 to 20 to 30 to 35, 40 odd years, going into creepy old houses and shouting things out and seeing if something happens. I have no sympathy for that, but I have sympathy for people just on their path. What you were talking about, I think, Chris, was people that are making claims about their own abilities or knowledge levels. Is that what it is? Yeah. Right, okay. So you lack sympathy for people that don't live up to the grandiose titles that they themselves are giving themselves. Is that what you're saying in your eyes? Yeah, so I'm I'm less inclined for someone that describes themselves as a world-class medium to then not be able to tell me the difference between grandma uh, and the, the archangel Michael. Like those to me is at a point where you should be able to have the discernment to know the difference between power levels or um methods of being like you know just i hear voices don't know where the voices come from you should be checking yourself into a psychiatric ward um because most most people with problems in that dis are able to discern what is other voice what is my internal voice so if you can't tell the difference you you know don't deserve as much support as the crazy folk because at least they can tell the difference but when you say a world-renowned psychic or world-class psychic what's the barrier for entry for being a world-class psychic though surely it just means you need to have been on television like Psychic Sally, for example, cheats constantly. She's been caught out cheating with her psychic ability, but she is a world-renowned and world-class psychic, but she hasn't got no psychic ability, or it's really rather shit. She couldn't tell the difference between Michael and Grandma. Although she would say, I'm getting someone with the name Jay, John, <laughs> or Johnny. It's either John or Johnny. Does that make sense to anyone here of the thousand people that are in the audience? Does anyone know a John or Johnny? Ideally, a dead one. Your great-great-grandfather was called John. I'll take that. That's who's here today. <laughs> That's where we're going to through, though. But the difference was, once upon a time, and I know that you're going to tell me off for using archaic connection, but... Yeah. Ultimately, you would have travelled half the world to go and see, um, you know, the temple to see the Pythian um, or Delphi Oracle, um, and you'd have queued well, for three one, days to, new one. to get through. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. Whereas some of the best psychics I've ever seen, I've barely crossed their palm with any silver whatsoever because they've just felt compelled to give you an answer. And once upon a time, that's what, you know, I think we've got this really strange concept that all, <laughs> everyone is worthy of a destiny. Um, Chris. I know, I just said that. Um, what if their destiny is to be a couch potato, as they call it? That is a destiny, is it not? Yeah, I suppose. 
I'm just being and elitist again. Um, from the Okraner. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I just earn those that are here to actually complete something and those that are just here on holiday. So the, you know, for me, I wouldn't say I was here for any purpose, which would blow people's minds because I'm a teacher, you know, I'm a teacher. You that's not include... You're a workaholic. You know? You're not yeah, here for one of those workaholic. Yeah, has to take the laptop when they go away because there, there might be important things to be dealt with. So, going back to our earlier question, why is it that you like to emasculate the Archangel Michael every chance you get? Because there's a bias I see showing through. I just think it's a good example, that's all. What's a good example? Of lots of things, whether or not it be entering a space without being invited trying to engage themselves with my entourage, regardless of whether or not they were invited. I just find, generally speaking, him to be quite rude. Um, Is he part of your entourage? So, he's not part of my entourage, no. Is he a groupie that hangs around backstage or outside of the back door? You know, the back door, stage door? Where the celebrities creep out. Hey. Is he one of those sorts of people? Are you saying he's a wannabe? If group? Michael was creeping around my back door, I'd do a bit more than tie him up in a cupboard. I'm sure he'd like that, though, if he was creeping around <laughs> the back door. <laughs> do you promise the same treatment for everyone that creeps around your back door, Chris? Or is it just Michael? Um, anyone that creeps around my back door who's not welcome, yes. How does one know whether they're welcome or not? Normally I would have invited them. You invite them to creep around your back door? Is this some sort of foreplay thing? <laughs> yeah, okay. like dogs in a park. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. So, <laughs> if you were saying to a beginner, so we've got a beginner, uh, what's our beginner's name? Our beginner's name is Raven Snowflake. Raven Snowflake <laughs> is a third-degree initiate of some bullshit pagan thing. Uh, but she now wants to learn real magic. So Raven Snowflake has asked you for knowledge on magical contracts. Okay. So Raven Snowflake wants to know... How does one make a magical contract? Obviously, she's very simple and generic, so your answer is going to need to be simple and generic, enough for a simpleton to be able to understand it, yes? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, with contracts, you're always going to need um, a contract writer, in my opinion. So you need oh, someone actually right. understands understands the language that they are referring to. So if you're going to try and do that yourself, mm. um, that I would always recommend some kind of divinatory work in order to kind of make sure that the language is right. So kind of every time you kind of start a draft, 
that if possible, you should run it past somebody who knows better. So that would normally mean someone in that same echelon. So if we're going to start a contract with a mercurial spirit, then it makes sense that you have that conversation with a mercurial spirit in order to help kind of write that contract down. Um, I would also then check them against an opposite. Um, so depending on which of those those you are actually dealing with, um, I would normally make sure that someone that's helping you ghostwrite it alongside um, has the has the kind of opportunity to know the other side of the story. So for me, that would be check-in. Say if it was a Mercurial spirit, I would probably go across the board and have a, a Jupiterian spirit kind of check the workings out. But that's just me talking in planetary jargon, just to kind of give you some kind of concept of we're not talking about across the road counterpart. We're talking higher up the echelon. Um, so kind of more opposites. Same with a Venusian. I'd probably check with a Martian. Um, or if you're really not sure, most contracts should be checked with someone Saturnine, but unless you're dealing with a Saturnine individual. Um, so, yeah, so for me, across the, you know, dia dia diagonally across the board um, to kind of make sure that everything is covered before you even approach the spirit. That's what we're talking about here. So pre-work before approaching said spirit. Now, I'm assuming contracts wise that you're always dealing with some spirit where mm. even if it's yourself yeah. um, and striking a, a, a conversation or contract with another version of you, which can be somewhat more complicated um, and you often will probably need someone above Saturn. Um but that's just to kind of give an example of why why you would want said contract um, and depending on what that contract's for. Most people will go building contracts for the, the basic things. So you're normally talking about protection, um, power-ups. Those are your kind of common ones. Um, yeah. Danger. Gets more. Yeah. So here's the problem is why are you deciding, Raven Snowflake, to create a contract or write a contract in the first place? We're going to use a generic example that we've seen hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of fucking millions of times before, which is I don't know what I'm doing and I want to work with a spirit and I don't want it to backfire in my face so I want to make sure the spirit does what it says it's going to do and make sure it don't blow back in my face so it needs to give me what I ask it for and it needs to not take advantage of me or work out in a way that I wouldn't want things to work out if that is the case Raven Snowflake and you're using that as a form of protection and you do not understand magical contracts how to put them together you're better off not fucking doing it at all, okay? Mm. Now, there's a very common fault, which is, and I see this mirrored a lot in ceremonial magic and witchcraft in many, many forms. 
People think all that's required to get what you want is for you to bleed, spit, or spunk on a fucking seal from a grimoire. Right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're laughing, but that is what people do, isn't it? That is what people do. It's always fucking fluids. It's always like, oh, yeah, take this seal. I want this. I want more money. Oh, if you give me more money, spirit from the Goetia, I, I'm too scared to bleed, but I'll give you some spit. How's about that? There we go. Where's my money, spirit? I'll give you a glass of wine, maybe a steak as well. I'll keep doing it. Is my money here yet? Well, I did find a couple of quid on the floor the other day, but I was hoping for more than that. It's like, how do you know that you have a contract there when you've not actually sat down? You're not capable of sitting down with the spirit, contacting and communicating with the spirit, because people think that this sort of contract magic is a way to shortcut and to get around shite psychic ability, and it most certainly is not. It most certainly is not going to protect you, okay? What would you say about these, um, you know, the law, legal forms where you just fill it out yourself and print it off and sign it? You don't really know how you form a contract. You can Google loads of legal templates and such, print it out and sign it. Most of that I have, I've seen on uh, Judge Rinder. They print them out and where it says insert such and such here, they just leave that says insert on it because they didn't fucking read the contract they just printed out of the internet a lot of these uh grimoires and magical textbooks and stuff have generic sorts of contracts but they fail to get the point across i think that that is a example of what one could look like and not a just print this out or spit on the book or the sigil or bleed on something you know that's fucking worries the shit out of me the, it comes to us actually having to say that, but um, it genuinely does. I think most most practitioners, when they first start out, kind of almost consider. I think it's even lower than that. That I think it's a lot lower than even going as far as googling legal contract and mm. printing something off from Judge Rinder or or. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a, a even lower stage than that. I think most people are going for the kind of pinky promise mm. level of arrangement of, yeah, yeah, I swear on mum's life. Those kind of very kind of archaic um, concepts of making do. You know? <laughs> a demon pinky you know, promise. Kind of pinky promise or a spit shake, you know? Oh, yeah, um, spit with goetic spirits goetic spit shake pinky promise that sounds like a brilliant podcast episode we should have called it that <laughs> you know we're kind of like and i think that's the level where most people are at they think this is a business op- they don't th- well i suppose they don't think of it uh, as a business opportunity or as a legal relationship what they think about it of is promises mm. It's a Faustian deal. It's a, you know, uh, let's shake on it and we'll be best of friends. Like, because they think of these as friendships. Now, you know, in even in the most basic concept, me and you constantly talk about um, our relationships with deities as being mm. transactional. Yeah. We talk about them as business partners. Mm. We use that language specifically 
So if you haven't picked up, and what are we on now? Um, episode 100 and something. Like, if you've not picked up by now that we talk in terms of business language and legal jargon when we talk about contracts with spirits, then you're missing the point. And it's mm. a very basic point, which is these are transactional. They are agreements. And like any agreement, they have to be held accountable. Um, so what what is the agreement? What is proof that said agreement has been met? And if it's not being met, who's then enforcing it? Um, mm. Which is why, to me, it's as obvious as going, well, OK, let's look at the the tree of life. <laughs> I'm dealing with this spirit that sits here. Who sits opposite but above this spirit? Uh, you know, so who has the actual power to counteract the energy of what we're talking about here? If it's mercurial, then you're looking up and across at the Jupiterian situation. Um, and then if you have any understanding of that tree of life, then you know anything below um, Saturn, Saturn will deal with, regardless mm. of what, what situation that is. That is the limitation put upon that tree. Um, if you're starting to then deal with deities that are above that threshold, first of all, you should be questioning, do you have the concept to actually understand what those beings are, let alone what they are capable of achieving? But also, who on earth, um, which seems a very limited phrase to use, who on earth is actually going to be able to deal with that should this go awry? Mm. Because actually, if you don't have the power to enforce any of these contracts, how are you expecting them to stick around or even mm. bother? Um, how much work goes into an arrangement, going back to the Alan Sugar part, that you flippantly made earlier but ha but equally do you have the clout that gets you an audience with alan sugar or is your best raven possible raven paying she does to be at a seminar and a meet and greet of which he's never going to remember you and you were never officially there as far as he's concerned raven that's what you're looking Raven Snowflake yeah. got a picture of Alan Sugar, put it on a side table, put some candles around it, and then put a dish with some incense in it, and thinks that she's talking to Alan Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Read into that one, because she ain't. <laughs> I think some of them, Liam, go as far as getting a Alan Sugar bobblehead mm. um, and thinking that therefore gives you a seat in which for alan sugar to sit in he don't got us um, in it though he doesn't got us sit in it alan sugar uh, hasn't got to come and sit in it because you buy that nemesis nice statue or charge a candle or something that does not fucking guarantee that the spirit's going to show up and if it did how do you know it's there how do you know it's that spirit for fuck's sake people we see a lot of uh solitary practitioners and we also see our fair share of practitioners that have been trained by groups and covens and organizations and such it never ceases to amaze me how many of them have not been taught or understand any of the basics with regards to common sense if you're trying to make a deal or strike up a deal with a spirit or to do something or even fucking plan a spell for fuck's sake how many people actually bother 
to sit down and plan it and think, what could potentially go wrong here? You know, what do I need to do to make sure that this goes right? All of that sort of thing. What do I actually know? I want to make a contract. I've got this book. It says spit on this at midnight. How do I know? Do I just chance it? Who knows? Don't know whether I just chance it or not. But there we go. There's a, there's a couple of interesting things just to finish off before we go. One of them is the idea of there's a big hoo-ha often with <gasps> how many contracts am I in that I don't know about? Or I think I'm in a contract. How do I get out of it? Blah, 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 blah. Because people get to the concept of, oh, shit, I didn't really give much thought to this uh, contract magical stuff. But maybe I'm already agreeing to something. Maybe I am already under contract for something. I mean, you are here, so you're incarnate here. So there's something obviously magically going on, isn't there? Contractually, you are probably involved in more contracts than you can count, you know? You won't be able to count that high. There's too many. Ones that negatively, because obviously at the end of the day, you've got to think that you're in a human body. You know, you have contractual obligations. The very fact that you're human, things are going to treat you a certain way, whether it's for the better or for worse. You know, you've got to think all of these various things. Um, but the idea of, oh, shit, I think I'm in a contract or something like that. Ultimately, I don't tend to worry about that. And I tell people not to lose sleep and worry about that. Because at the end of the day, if you're in a contract and you go against what the contract says or, you you know, you change your mind or whatever, cause and effect, something's going to happen. Someone is going to come or something is going to come and collect on what you're not offering. If you sign your soul over to the devil or something like that, chances are something's going to come and try to collect that. The point is, can you, can you stop that thing from collecting? So are you and do you have the ability to sign up to a load of stuff knowing that it's not legally binding in case of, you know, mundane law, you know? But that was one of the first points. So the first point is don't worry about contracts that you are in if you have no way of understanding how to get out of them for now. If you are having a problem with spirits or things that are trying to collect on a contract you've signed, then you're probably out of your depth and need help from someone else, which needs to be dealt with on a case-by-case -case basis. Next point is this idea, which is really interesting in the old Faustian, Faustian pact type deal which is implied access. They call it in mundane contracts. Implied access is a general contract that everyone has. You have to opt out. They're contracts of a needing to opt out rather than opting in. For example, in the UK, we have um, right of access, implied access, implied right of access contracts, which is, for example, if the emergency services needs to get into your house, Legally, they can, even if you're not inviting them in, you're not signing contracts to say, yeah, you can come in. It's implied. OK, there are some really interesting scandals that involve the um, the people that go for uh, what is it, TV licensing in the UK, because obviously to support that foul beast that is the BBC, 
everyone who's got a television or listens to the radio and such has to pay a TV license, right? And if they don't pay their TV license, whether they've got a TV or not, they have people that come along and check, that spy on them and such. They used to have these little vans and stuff that they would point at your house if you didn't pay your TV license, they'd be able to pick up whether you've got the television on and such. They have people that go around to people's houses that tray basically, and I've seen, you can look on YouTube, um, TV licensing cronies or something like that, Google that. And there have been some nefarious people that try to gain access to people's houses, you know, push them back. They're not really supposed to do it, but there is an implied right of access. You can revoke that right you can revoke the right of these people that because they already have the right essentially or it is uh somewhat precariously iffy legal from a legal perspective but they potentially have implied right of access to visit go in your house and stuff like that so there are some people that are very much against bbc license fee and such that go online and try to fill out forms and such to say well no i want to remove the right the implied right of access for these people. Thousand Pact essentially is a pact that you are unaware that you're in. So it's one that you've made. So thinking along magical terms of the implied right of access, I could say, well, I have contract with every thing that has ever worn a human, that has ever had a human body or ever will have a human body. I've decided that I've now got a contract with them. It's an implied contract because none of them have agreed to it but it's a contract nonetheless potentially we always need to think about well wait a minute can we enforce it the answer is potentially not but more interesting point is why would i create a contract like that in the first place whether i can enforce it or not you'll notice with certain spirits very low level spirits and very high level spirits have an implied contract with you the higher level ones have it because they're probably underpinning energies of the universe it's necessary for them to do their jobs and if they did not have that you would not be an actual incarnate thing right they influence you because if they did not it would be some sort of weirdo sci-fi thing where you just disappear or something, right? But in terms of the other types, the lower level ones with implied right of access, fast impacts and stuff that you don't know you've signed up for, it's a little bit more like fishing, you see, which in itself is quite complicated and we can't really discuss that in the last two minutes. Chris, have you ever had the TV license people knock on your door or know anyone that's had run-ins with them? No. No? Have you ever YouTubed them? They're quite funny, some of the YouTube videos. People get very irate. No? No. I think we should do a podcast dedicated to that specific subject because it's not a subject people ever discuss. And I don't mean TV licensing. I mean, why would a low-level spirit create a contract it itself cannot enforce because there is a reason for it and it's a very interesting reason and i wonder between now and then how many people will get the right answer if they go and ponder it but i very much encourage people to to, to think about that because there is bigger games at play of course so you know 
it's not all about the long run. It's this thing called funnels, I think, they teach in digital marketing, whereby, you know, you kind of have a funnel. You expect to catch a certain amount of people in the first section, and then they get weaned off and off and off until the end of the funnel. You've got only a couple of people that you originally started off with a lot, but those people are definitely willing to buy and sign up, you yeah. say. Well, very clever. That's it for this edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. As ever, I hope that we have made you think more than anything because this podcast is certainly not about teaching it's more about making people think and chuckle and ideally think i'm glad i'm not the only person that thinks the rest of magical humanities and such are fucking idiots for not understanding magical contracts any wise words to leave us with chris don't trust michael don't trust michael au revoir my darling